is URM. This is URN. Hello and welcome to the only cricket podcast that thinks the ICC should ban declarations. Of course, you're listening to Sticky Wicket. It's been a stellar week for Test Match Cricket from India to South Africa to the Caribbean. Test Match Cricket is proving its worth. But it's not just Test Match Cricket that's been played. The Abu Dhabi T10 kicked off last week as well as the culmination of the Big Bash. And to talk to me about it is Dom. How are you, mate? I'm great, mate. I'm, I'm going to be honest, a bit tired. Stayed up to uh, listen to the, uh, watch the Super Bowl. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, obviously enjoyed the last week of Test Match Cricket. Let's start with the elephant in the room. We promised an interview with Lauren Winfield, England's women's cricketer, um, on our Instagram uh, earlier this week. But due to corona and quarantine changes, it's not been able to, to happen so far. So thank you guys for your patience. Um, hopefully we're rescheduling for, for later on this week or, or next week and we'll get that out to you guys as soon as we, we can. On a more positive note, however, slightly more positive, England beats India in Chennai for the first time in 36 years. It must be emphasised how well the whole scene played against India. But to start on day one, where Joe Root, on his 100th test appearance, hit a magnificent, stubborn innings of 218, becoming the first batsman ever to score a double century on his 100th test match. But he wasn't alone with his batting success, with Sibley Stokes both having belligerent periods at the crease. Dom, how good were England's day one and day two batting? Magnificent. It's just what England asked for. Uh, a few years ago, we were being skittled out everywhere across the globe for 244, it seems like, every innings. Now we've got real stiffness in the team, uh, true grit, it feels like. And I think Chris Silverwood has really implemented that belligerence at the crease. And if you look at Root, he's, he's staying for long times. So if you look at Sibley, the vicar of Sibley, we called him on our Twitter, he hit 87 off 286 balls. It was nearly double the amount of balls Root had when he was on uh, 87 as well. It was incredible. And it's just what Ing were looking for uh, under uh, Bayless, I thought. Just that ability to stay at least for long periods of time. Just make it difficult for India's bowlers. Make it difficult for them to bowl at us. And Sibley didn't get the 100, but his effort was worthy of a tonne. Um, let's talk about Root, really. Surpassing Sir Vivian Richards. Like, imagine passing Sir Vivian Richards in batting. How good must you be at batting to surpass him in runs? And he's got three centuries or more in a row. And it's just a masterclass of how to play on foreign soil. Root is in a real rich vein of form. How he went a whole year without scoring 100 seems obscene to us now. Um, but yeah, it's magnificent. And Stokes in the first inning as well. He's got a lot of criticism recently about how we can sometimes only do smash and grab innings. But whew, this was perfect. This was almost the start of his headingly um, test match. It was real. Block, 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 knockable for a single. Block, 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 knockable for a single. It was perfectly timed and it shows his depth of batting because he can also bat on foreign surfaces that are difficult to bat on. But he can also tick runs over and stay in for long periods of time. And it must be said, the tail wagged magnificently, getting us up to that really good high first inning score, something England have really worked hard on recently. And Don Best, fair play to you, kept the tail wagging and just what we wanted all over. Yeah, it was a really mature innings from Sibley, I'd say there, as you as you mentioned. I think just for him just to stay and to keep with Joe Root is just an impressive thing because I know there was a lot of talk 
in Sri Lanka in the particular the first sort of three innings he had there, Dikwela asking him about is he going to be opening the batting in India and Sibley said very honestly I'm not sure I've not had a very good series so far so it was great to see him score score some runs and uh, hopefully he'll keep going on a sort of slightly different thing I think I tweeted out about um, Rory Burns Dom about how he in the first innings got 33 which is pretty much bang on his average and it was I think the first time in about 10 innings that we'd passed 50 as an opening partnership and I'd say do you think it's his job to obviously he needs to score as many runs as he can but would you be happy enough with him averaging sort of 33 34 in and around and him and Sibley sort of just slowly grinding just for our middle order to have time um and have the old ball to face when you come in yeah definitely and I think if you look at the performance of Rory Burns over the past few years he has he scored runs regularly and there was a period where England I think in 2015 2016 you could almost as if by magic, we'd always be 33 for three at every inning. <laughs> so to get to 50 for no wicket is fantastic. It shows how far England have developed under Root's captaincy. And it's really good to see that he's maybe not getting hundreds all the time. And it's very hard to expect hundreds from every innings. But if you get 33 and that be your average as an opener, it's always going to be difficult to get big runs. So I'm fine with that. And there's no one really challenging him, I think, for his consistency uh, the outside of the team, sorry. And I think he should stay in the side. And 33 is a good innings as it allowed Root to not face the new ball, but it takes tough work to dig in and score 33 runs on that surface with a brand new ball. Mm, yeah. And so on to, the, um, on to India's first innings of batting. Best bowled fantastically, I'd say. He ripped through the Indians. He got four. Wickets was fantastic, but let's not forget Pant's exciting 91 and Washington Sundar's slow 85, which I think a lot of people may have forgotten about, uh, which gave India a bit of a platform to stay in the game. But but Dom, how did you think England's bowling performance was? Yeah, it's, it's been real chalk and cheese from their time in Sri Lanka. I, I think, let's just talk about Bess here. He's taken some really high-class wickets. Pajara, Kohli, Rahane and Pant all in the first innings. Fantastic. And we were uh, critical of his performance in Sri Lanka and we were critical to Leach as well. We were a bit worried about how they'd attack this tournament, but they really went for it. Best played so well, so well. And just to see every wicket he took, he looked like he loved it. And I can't emphasise that enough, how important that is to see from a spin bowler. Because some spin bowlers just look like they're just turning up for the hell of it. But Best was bowling fantastically. So fair play to him. Um, just moving on to the fast bowlers, Archer took both openers out, and that's a real statement. Archer's first test match abroad in foreign surfaces, and to get both openers led the way for Best to take that middle order and rip their heart out, really. Uh, Leach and Anderson mopped up the tail, and I do feel sorry for Leach, because whilst we'll talk about his excellence in the fourth innings, Leach was unlucky. He was just attacked by Pant, and fair play to Pant, and it's a magnificent innings by Pant to get 91 and Hardlock not getting 100, but he really kept India alive. And I, I just feel sorry for Leachy because he was just against a really good batsman. So India scored 337 on a surface that almost deserved more respect to the English bowlers and it cost the Indians. England had a big lead in the first inning, so England quickly pumped up a score of 178, India give, uh, giving India a target of 420. A lot of people question Joe Root's decision to not declare, uh, Michael Vaughan being the most vocal about that. What were your thoughts on that, Toby, and the non-declaration? I I wasn't too sure. I 
I see both. I see the points on both sides of the argument. I think Cook was probably the biggest advocate of Root not declaring, uh, which makes sense for the way that Cook captain was always quite restrained in his declarations. But I, I think Vaughan was a, quite harsh, and I, I think the the way that India played in Australia really would have played on Root's mind. The way that they managed to chase down at the Gabba such a high score with Rishabh Pant being such a dangerous player, as well as the uh, the other mid- middle-order Indians and Kohli coming back, who wasn't even playing in the final three matches in Australia. I think the the bit that perhaps, not frustrates me, but intrigues me, was the way that England went from, with Root and Stokes at the crease, being very aggressive. Root was had a, had a huge strike rate for his um, 40 runs he scored, which we wouldn't necessarily expect from Root in Test match cricket. And then... And that was that was good to see actually that him and Pope as well being quite aggressive, always strike rates over fifty, and then Butler and Best sort of batted together, both with strike rates significantly lower, both in the sort of thirties at one point, um, before Butler did begin to expand again just before we got out hitting a few boundaries, and then it was yet again at the end Jack Leach scored fourteen or fifty seven at a strike rate twenty four and Jimmy one off twelve, um, a strike rate of eight, which seems weirdly low when it seemed like England were trying to progress the game forwards but then it worked out well I'd say for England I I wouldn't have liked to see them declare much earlier um, with a score below 400 so I think I think 420 was a a reasonable target to set Dom what did what did you think I thought it was perfect I thought they timed the uh, standard and scale of the innings perfectly to allow just one or two overs at the end of the day but I I do get why people were critical and a declaration is very difficult to get right. So fair play for Root being being more conservative and that conservatism helped England get to a good score and it's it worked perfectly in the end, didn't it? So it's it's all gone well for England in this test match and whilst you could argue what if something doesn't go right, what would happen then? I thought in the circumstances, uh, Don Bess is sort of knocking it around, allowing the tail to not wag as fervently as it did in the first innings but to get those extra 70 runs was very important for England and it made the total almost inaccessible for India it would have it would have been hard to see India chase down 420 in a day without someone like Rishabh Pant scoring a double hundred I'd say Um, and probably off about 100 balls the way that he likes to bat Um, and then yeah on to day five um, at the end of the day four, actually, Leach bowled a fantastic ball to get Rohit Sharma out, which is an absolute beauty. Textbook left arm orthodox bowler. And then day five, England sort of just kept chipping away at India. Only really um, Virat Kohli scored runs. He got he got 67, no, he got 72, sorry, and uh, 50 from Shubman Gill. But after that, no one really scored runs. They had ducks from Rahane, Washington Sundar and Nadim. Um, so not as much of a, a tail wag there, you could say. Dom, how good was Jimmy Anderson? He took three wickets for 18 runs on that final day and just just helped England significantly with some absolute peaches. Yeah, it proves he is the greatest of all time when it comes to fast bowling. He can do it on any surface it feels like. Offer him a swamp and he'll get the ball moving. Um, beautiful wickets, it must be said. Uh, when I watched it, it reminded me of that Flintoff over from 2005. Just his mastery of the ball was just magnificent. And magnificent is the right word there. It was glorious to watch. It's high, high standard cricket. Probably the best mover of a ball is Jimmy Anderson at the moment. And 
fair play to him being 38, 37. I can't put an age on him. He's he's almost ancient in cricketing terms, yet he is still performing at the highest level. And it's, we're so lucky to watch him. So lucky to watch him. Eleanor Oldroyd put out that we'll be telling our grandkids about him. And that's so true. So we've only got a few years left of Jimmy Anderson. So let's just enjoy it. His 3 for 18 allowed England to put the pressure on the middle order. And it just stopped, it really stopped the game. Uh, after his two wicket over, it was 92 for four. India and a hell of a lot of trouble there. And it just proves that, you know, let's be honest, Jimmy Anderson is the best. Um, you mentioned uh, Leachy's um, beautiful wicket of Robert Sharma. Just the turn of the ball and... Toby, I'd like to hear your opinion, as you are the spin guru here. <laughs> your opinions on the spin twins in this game? I think if I'm the spin guru, then I'm not sure we either of us can bowl much off spin or leg spin here. Um, I thought it was, a, yet again, an interesting performance from them. I'd say Leachy in that, that second innings did look fantastic. The, the wickets he took were phenomenal, but... But he, he got pretty much, I think, exactly the same figures as Don Best. They both bowled the same number of overs, same number of wickets for the same number of runs in Best in the first, Leach in the second innings. Both taking fourfers, which which is good to see again. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think Best really got the, the, the praise that, that Leach ended up getting, which seems a bit unfortunate for him because he doesn't necessarily bowl as tight as Leach um, or as or sort of as beautifully almost you could say as Leach but he he does seem to have just as good a result when you look at their averages they're pretty much identical I think Leach averages slightly lower with the ball he averages 30.46 for in test cricket and Don Best 32 which is pretty much the same and but actually Don Best's economy rate 2.88 is very slightly lower than Leach's three which yet again you wouldn't necessarily expect from them but I think in general, they both bowled pretty well in the test match. They both took wickets, which is all you can really ask from them. And and they took took wickets of, of great players with, with best taking Virat Kohli with what seemed like from, from an outsider's point of view, like a like a fantastic plan that, that worked out well. Dom, do you think it was it was the same? How did how did you see them bowl? Yeah, well, if you're the spin guru, I'm not I don't know much what's been bowling, but from what I understand is they were magnificent and they did the job so well. And you can't fault these lads who have really been through a lot of criticism from us, from probably higher members of the media. I'm not too sure they were worried about what we thought of them, but they played so well. And Leach and Bess, fair play to you. You've got three more games to prove your worth in in almost your heaven of pitches. So just prove what you can in front of the of the entire world and especially the entire world as for the first time, as we talked about last week, it was on Channel 4. It got people watching. I know it's to grow to uh, interest in cricket online. Much more people were talking about it. Um, Toby, what were your thoughts on Channel 4? I thought it was OK. I thought maybe we're used to Sky Sports's very high standard uh, analysis similar if you're new to cricket they they always are like monday night football in their analysis seemingly every ball i've heard jamie carragher talk about how much he's inspired by the sky sports cricket team so i i didn't think that it was quite there for it uh, from channel four i don't think the analysis was quite there but toby what were your viewing what as a viewer how did you enjoy did you not enjoy channel four having the cricket what were your thoughts yeah no i think it's good to see it back on channel four they've 
they did they did well i'd say it's it's quite different from the sky commentary who yeah you said a lot more detailed in their analysis but i think some of it is they have a lot more time to to build their analysis and, and build their innings almost as a commentary team because they commentate through the whole day whereas it was sort of with the channel four it, i think they used sort of different commentary um different commentators who are in india and then they sort of it's just basically was alistair cook and the presenter talking about cricket for a few hours between intervals who i um, who i thought actually did really well the, t- the two of them i think strauss is meant to come in for the next next test so i think it's great to see it back on channel four and that everyone can can see the cricket to be on free free to air tv yeah and we i i'll admit i got on my soapbox last week and talk for England about how important it was to be seen as England cricketers on Channel 4 and it, it went well and always with a win in the morning it's going to be news for the rest of the day and Channel 4 highlights are available in the evening so people who are stuck at home as we all are get to watch it it's in their face for the first time and hopefully we get some a new generation and it's perfect timing because it's just coming to the end of the winter it will get kids a full summer of cricket maybe a few adults coming back into the game which we always want to see so here at sticky wickets we're trying to create a link between the university of nottingham and nottinghamshire cricket so here is a clip from the talk of the trent podcast sent to us very kindly by nottinghamshire cricket with paul frank's assistant coach talking about his experience in the t10 abu dhabi league on campus and online 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 this is urn yeah good actually um overcoming the challenges of you know global travel at the minute was interesting you know going through various tests and and bits and bobs and and getting the legalities in place to be able to travel um quite novel never had to do that before and something we normally take for granted um then we get we get into um into our residence and then we have to do various other testing over our period of quarantine and and then we test to come out and then we start training now we can't see you at the minute because we're, we're back on the phone rather than on a, anything fancy in, in a zoom way but it didn't look like a bad place to quarantine you seem to have a, a decent little vista out there yeah i think part of me is quite happy that you don't get to see it because i might have got some hate mail <laughs> but um yeah it's um i'm very lucky i'm team abu dhabi franchise being being the local team is um is obviously pulling a few strings here because we've we've maxed out on the accommodation front and all the lads are certainly very happy in terms of where we're staying and how well we've been looked after and I can't speak highly enough of, of, of how well they have looked after us as individuals so yeah it's um it's a nice spot. So where did, how does your role fit in then now you've had a few days out there uh, Dougie Brown's head coach isn't he so where do you where do you come in? Yeah well basically I've known Dougie for quite a long time um Dougie and I share um We've shared jobs, if you like, at various times we've been coaching the local team. So we've both got knowledge of cricket in this part of the world um, and how cricket's played in this part of the world. Um, I've basically taken over uh, looking after the bowling unit, which I suppose is a bit of a hospital pass in T10 cricket <laughs> if you can get it. Um, but yeah, I've got some excellent bowlers to work with uh, from all parts of the world. And yes, we're all sort of mucking in to help each other out. Um, so yeah, it's about getting the lads as well prepared as we can. Um, for them to go and go and show off their skills in, in what is the shortest format of the game. Yeah, what do you uh, what do you tell a bowling unit ahead of a T10? Because there's a lot of license to hit for the batsman, isn't there? There is. Hopefully, to stay calm, <laughs> um, not feel like they're um, you know they're under too too much pressure. They can they can turn a game any ball, any delivery, um, and make sure that they know that you know they have to be very clear when they're sort of at the top of mark about what they're going to deliver. Try and set the field. 
accordingly. Um, and if you can, at any point, put the batsman under pressure by creating a dot, um, you know, then that's that's going to make a big difference over the course of the of the ten overs. But yeah, you're, you're right; it is you know almost a snapshot of white ball cricket. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to see how the players react and, under under pressure um, and what skills they're able to show. Yeah, and, and from an outlaw's point of view, it's it's mainly batsmen that are over there. Samit out there as well, of course. But um, at Team Abu Dhabi, you've got Ben Duckett and Joe Clark out there at the minute. How do how do you think it can benefit them this this exposure to the the really shorter format? Yeah, well, it will. They've obviously been exposed to this format based on the fact they're very, very good T20 players and they've mm. had stellar seasons. Joe's obviously um, scratched the surface of playing the Big Bash. Um, Ben's been in and around of the franchise leagues at different times, played some PSL. Um, and, they're, and they're very, very good players in their own right. They've got a fantastic guy to, to pick the brains of uh, in Kumar Sangakara, um, who's obviously played across all sorts of formats. So I'll be encouraging particularly... Joe and Ben to be picking his brains about batting and, and test match batting as well as much as short format batting because who better to who better to try and learn from than him? Um, but yes, you're right. I think you know we've got we've got a variety of players from 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 the grandmaster himself in someone like Chris Gale through to someone like Kushal Mala who is 16 years of age, uh, one of Nepal's bright young things of cricket. So it brings together a very diverse cricketing landscape, and and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they they go out there and perform. Have you been able to pick the brains of Kumar as well yet as the, the mentor for the team? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we spent quite a lot of time together as a management group. Um, our main focus has been about getting the team prepped as well as we can, making sure they've hit plenty of balls, making sure the bowlers have got all the variations in place and that the fielding's as sharp as it can be. So I think over the course of the next 10 or 12 days, I'm, I'm, I've sort of collared him and said, look, I'd love to, love to pick your brains across all things cricket. Um, not just not just T10, but like I say, you know how he sees the cricket landscape um, as things stand and, and management and coaching within that. Because I think I'd be missing an opportunity if I wasn't doing that. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm certainly gonna gonna grab him for a cup of tea or a beer at some point and, and pick his brains. And it's it's kind of quick competition, isn't it? Like you say, it's all done within a week or so. Does that bring its own challenges for you as well? You don't have much time to lick your wounds. You've got to get yourself ready and. And, and and get on and, and get moving again. So yeah, and, and if you, if you don't start well, it can sort of pass you by. I've looked at the history of, of previous competitions and done a little bit of work behind the scenes to try and find out what makes things work within this format that's different to T20 or from other forms of white ball cricket. So yeah, there, there's subtle differences and subtle changes that I hope we've we've managed to get the message across to the playing group. Um, Abu Dhabi in the Sheikh Zayed Stadium is quite a unique venue. Um, in terms of dimensions and the crosswinds that blow at different times of the day, so that can that can affect the game as such. Um, but like I mentioned before, I think you know, with it being the shortest format of the game, you, you can literally turn the game on its head in the space of three or four balls, and you can you, and, and that's a, a big a big watcher for us. And if we get the opportunity to do that, um, and then I'll be really impressed by how the batting group go about trying to seize that initiative, and how the bowling group go about trying to rearrest that initiative if they are under pressure. We're on campus and we're online. We're online. University. Radio. Nottingham. There you go. That was absolutely fascinating to hear uh, his insight into the T20, T10, sorry, Abu Dhabi League. And let's use the springboard to talk about the T10 League. Marvellous tournament it is. It's so exciting. It's so different to anything, really. It's not the IPL. It's not the Big Bash. It stands as its own entity. Um, let's just look at some of the England players who really caught my eye, especially Jamie Overton 
took 12 wickets, a tournament high, throwing his name back into the England mix, maybe, maybe. Um, Tom Tom Kohler Padmore went third on the tournament's leading run scorers, a name not been pitched around England too much, but if he can get big runs in this tournament, maybe there's a chance he might be thought of it in the India, uh, India World Cup coming up soon. And, that, and you've got to respect that when Chris Gale is in the tournament. To come third is always quite impressive. And Ben Duckett, Nottinghamshire lad, kept wicket very well indeed. There were also Chris Jordan at the tournament who bowled very well. And someone who is often forgotten in the white ball series is... Uh, is England's leading wicket-taker, Chris Jordan. So, all round very good for this. Toby, did you get a chance to watch? Yeah, uh, I saw a few highlights, I think. The, the main one I saw was Chris Gale's, I think it was 86 and on out of 22, 25 balls. Something unbelievable. I mean, he was he only had one or two runs off the first couple of balls as well, which is the worrying thing. And then <laughs> he just went ballistic and blasted stuff everywhere. It was fantastic to see, really. Yeah, and what I love about this league is the randomness of it. It does feel like international county cricket. It's got those names you recognise, the Samit Patels, your Luke Wrights, your Phil Saltz, your Ravi. So really high standard England names like Dawid Milan, Fidel Edwards, Andre Russell, Chris Gale. These like titans of sport. Then you also get players who you might not have seen before and from countries you don't really see a lot of. Uh, Ali Khan from America, Karan from Nepal, Ravi Singh from Canada. It's so important for these players to be playing at the highest level with those players I previously mentioned, uh, Edwards, Russells, Gales. Toby, how important is it for the global development of the game, especially in a white ball format, for these lesser countries, not lesser in a negative way, but these countries that don't quite have the players, these uh, five-star players, to learn from from Chris Gale, really, and players like him of a similar ilk, so they can improve their game and improve the international game? Yeah, no, it's, it's huge for these smaller, well, smaller, in inverted commas, um, nations. They... They can struggle sometimes to really get the exposure to competitions like this. And it is fantastic to see um, some of these players from, from these countries getting an opportunity abroad and, and, at, and at a level that, that it, this, this competition gets to. You can't really imagine that many times you're going to get players from America or Canada or Nepal getting to bowl and bat against the likes of Chris Gale, Andre Russell, Fidel Edwards, etc. like that, who, who are sort of pretty pretty high high caliber players and and very have very good international records so it is good to see and and the more players like that who who get an opportunity in competitions like this the the better cricket will be in the the high caliber in general it will it will become and so on to another white ball competition we have the big bash has just finished the sydney sixers topped the group and they topped the whole competition. It was fantastic, really. James James Vince, um, the Hampshire lads from England, went over and scored two 90s in successive matches to to carry them over the win. You also had the likes of Dan Christian, our, our Knotts player, yeah. um, really helping as well. And and then a few of the, the Aussie lads, Josh Philippi, as well as Daniel Hughes, who captained them with uh, Moise Enriquez as well. Uh, um, and then a few other international players in the in the final. A 95 from James Vince off 60 balls really was the the strongest innings from the Sixers. But was was a lot of cameos around him. Enriquez got 18 off 11. Silk 17 off 11. 
Dan Christian, 20 or 14. There's a lot of a lot of boys just hitting around him and, and just boosting the run rate as well. Uh, pick of the bowlers, you had Jai Richardson got two for 45 and Andrew Ty, probably the best, two for 29. As well as Fawad Ahmed got one for 16, an economy of 5.33, which is pretty impressive when, when you look at Vince's uh, 158 strike rate as well as some of the other guys. Percy Orchard's tried to get theirs but couldn't quite Cameron Bancroft and Liam Livingston got them off to a reasonable start uh, Livingston 45 another English player and Bancroft 30 off 19 they then had a, a mini collapse really struggling to sort of keep the run rate up there um, and Aaron Hardy at the end 20 off 26 off 13 just trying to to keep them up but they fell fell a few runs short pick the bowlers you had three for 37 from Ben Dwarshus uh, two two wickets apiece for Dan Christian, Sean Abbott and Jackson Bird, all bowling very well. Bird in particular, two for 14 off off his three overs at economy of 4.67. Dom, did you see much of the final? What did you, what did you think of the tournament as a whole as well? I think uh, if we look at the final, it shows how good England cricket is. In an Australian tournament, the man who took all the headlines is James Vince. James Vince, a man who, if we're honest, underperformed at the World Cup. Uh, in the 50 over format but if you get 95 in a big bash uh, final you are going to make headlines and we're going to talk about some of the England players who have made a headline uh, in the big bash there's so many of them it feels like and it really shows how good England are getting at cricket across the board but yeah I didn't get a chance to watch the full uh, game due to work and let's be honest feeling absolutely knackered after the Super Bowl um it's just gone really well for England. I'm very happy that James Vince got um, big scores. And let's be honest, the Sydney Sixers, if any team wears pink, all pink, best of luck to you, because that's a bold move. That's so true. Yeah, very interestingly, when you look at the sort of top run scorers of of the Big Bash, none of all of them really were, lots of them were English. You had Alex Hales topping topping the highest run scorers. I think then Philippi and Vince were close behind. And Liv Livingston also scoring a few runs. But none of those three are actually in the England white ball setup currently. You could say none of them really um, getting a getting a starting spot, as well as some of the bowlers. Well, Danny Briggs probably being the best English spin bowler there. Yeah, well, the best bowler possibly from England. I thought had a very strong tournament. Do you think this will this will really help some of the some of their chances with the India World Cup round the corner, Dom? Yeah, of course. The Big Bash is such, it's almost the La Liga of um, in T20 cricket. It's such a high standard. It's so different to English pitches. The standard's incredibly high. And for these lads to all dominate in their teams and Alex Hells to win the gold and bat, well done. Nottingham shall add, we're all very proud of him. It's so good, not only for uh, the get the T20 game for England, but just say these lads don't make it into the England team over the summer. T20 cricket in this country is going to be absolutely amazing because you're going to have Alex Hales going off against Derbyshire, which can only be mean big things. So, not sorry, Derbyshire, but it's going to be so exciting. And I, I think we'll have a more in-depth talk about this closer to the start of the World Cup when England released their team. But these lads have all put in a very big notice. Uh, even the lads who didn't go to there, the T10 lads, the Ben Ducketts, the uh, Jamie Overtons, yeah, even... Jake Ball, who didn't get a chance to uh, make the list of batting, so, well, because he's a bowler, but uh, he made his name very well known. These It shows the depth in English cricket at the moment, and hopefully we can, dare I say it, win 
the World Cup coming soon and it's it's showing how much runs we've got now. It's just can we can we find the right team? Because Alex Hales, we talked about on previous podcasts, we don't think we're not sure if he can fit into the England team due to uh, failed drug tests a few years ago. But yeah, it's really positive to see Vince Livingston and Hales getting big runs down under. We might even need them in the Ashes if worst comes to worst. James Vince might come back into the test squad. Uh, Alex Hales probably won't come back into the test squad. But when we tour back down there after the Ashes uh, in a one-day series, you never know. He could come back and that would be good for the whole of English cricket. DJ! This is URN University Radio Nottingham. But like we said at the top of the show, there has been a great few weeks for Test cricket. Pakistan uh, beat South Africa in South Africa. Hassan Ali guided Pakistan to a 2-0 victory over Sri Lanka in the final Test. This is the first time Pakistan have beaten uh, South Africa in South Africa since 2003. To make you feel old, that is a year after I was born and I'm now doing my uni degree. So, well to full old. Thank you for listening. Um, he was lethal, it's fair to say, with the new ball. And I think his five had just demonstrated the mastery of uh, new ball bowling. And England should be a bit worried for when he comes over because he could do some real damage on English surfaces coming up. Uh, and then over to the West Indies. West Indies chased an incredible 395 against Bangladesh in what was a roller coaster test match. It's unbelievable to see. Bangladesh started phenomenally with 103 from Hassan in the first innings and pinned West Indies to a measly 259 on a flat wicket. Bangladesh then smashed a solid 223 with Monomal getting 123 of those runs and then declaring with West Indies needing heaps of runs to win. Step up. Kyle Mayers, whose 210 helped the West Indies chase a massive total. Well done to the young man, but it could have been so different as he was dropped on 49 and on 47. Bangladesh missed the chance to review an LBW, which would have been overturned and the umpire's original decision. West Indies lead the series 1-0 in a two-series, two-game series, sorry. Talking of leads, it's time for the URN Ashes. We have a new game this week. As usual, it's my turn to ask Dom the, this question after I managed to get last week's quiz with, with a bit of a Carlos Brathwaite-esque moment at the end hitting two sixes. don't need to talk about that. <laughs> so this new game is An Idiot, A Stuart Abroad, which which uh, we I came up with and Dom, as usual, comes up with a fantastic name of it. So how this game works, I'm going to be reading out out a few facts um, about about cricketers, current cricketers from the 21st century. So I'll be reading five different stats. Each one relates to how this player bats in different conditions. So the first stat will always relate to their average and their either runs or wickets um, taken at their home country. Then the second one will be to do with their the best average, so wherever they average highest or, or lowest if they're a bowler. Um, and the third one will be most matches. So wherever they play most frequently away from home. Then I go on to their highest score and best figures and the total number of matches they've played in Test cricket. And then finally, I'm just going to read off their opening paragraph on Wikipedia to try and give Dom a few hints if he needs it by the end. So I have five different players here. And I think a, a good effort would be 15 to win it, I'd say, Dom, you know, averaging three, three for each player. You ready? Do you understand it? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, let's go. 
So the first player is an English batsman. He scored 4,348 runs, an average of 50.56 at home. Okay, so he's English. He scored lots of runs. I'm going to go with Kevin Peterson. Unfortunately, that's not right. Next, he has so his highest average is in Sri Lanka. He scored 655 runs there at an average of 65.5. Okay, I'm going to go Jonathan Trott. It's not Jonathan Trott, unfortunately. Um, number three, in Australia, he's played nine test matches there, scored 570 runs at 38. Joe Root? It is Joe Root, yes. Well done. The next one's next question would have probably given away. He scored a high score of 254 against Pakistan and has just played his 100th test match. Uh, yeah, take that. Take that. <laughs> so that's three runs from his first question. Number two, this Australian bowler has 127 wickets at 24.72 in his home conditions. Okay. Um, my first thought was... Mitchell Johnson, but he could only really bowl on his surface. That's an unpopular opinion, but it's a fact. I'm going to go Ryan Harris. Ryan Harris, who used to look like my under-15s coach. Sorry, <laughs> Mr Meadows, if you're still listening. <laughs> that would be uh, an interesting callback if you get a message in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's not Ryan Harris. Number two, his highest average as a bowler, he's taken 12 wickets in the West Indies at 8.83. Is it uh, Cummins? It's not Pat Cummins, no, unfortunately. But he's played most away from home in England, taking 36 wickets at 23.58. Okay, who got... Well, didn't Cummins get the bowler? He got the most wickets last tournament. So, is it Peter Siddle? It's not Peter Siddle, unfortunately. I know how much you love him. And I thought, oh, could I? But unfortunately, no. Um, his best figures are six for 67 against India and has played 55 test matches. Is it Mitchell Stark? It's not Mitchell Stark, unfortunately. Oh, this player was born on the 8th of January in 1991, so he's 30 years old. He's an Australian international cricketer. He's a tall pace bowler known for his accuracy and has been compared to former Australian paceman Glenn McGrath. He can move the ball about. It's not Siddle, it's not Johnson. It's not Cummins. There's one left. It's not Bancroft. Who is it? He's very tall. Not the quickest, but hits about about 85 mile an hour, I'd say. Genuinely can't think of anyone else but Cummins. And oh no, this is bad. You'll be kicking yourself, I think, when when I tell you it. Um, I don't know. Um. <sighs> I'm going to go Paul Rifle. <laughs> it's not Paul Rifle. It's Josh Hazelwoods. Oh. So, unfortunately, you have failed to score a run on that one. Dot ball there. So, on to player number three. This South African batsman scored 269, sorry, 297 runs at 46.5 uh, currently in South Africa right now. Is it? De Kock? It's not Quinton de Kock, unfortunately, no. His best average is away from home. Sorry, no. Uh, yes, his best average, sorry, away from home is in Bangladesh, where he scored 75 runs at an average of 75. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Uh, 
not is the he, most useful crew. Is he still playing? He is still playing, yes. De Villiers? It's not De Villiers, no. Uh, number three, in India, he has played the most matches away from home. He scored 369 runs, an average of 30.75. Oh, bloody hell, so he's not that good. Um, if he's, um, who is it? Um, he's a current South African top-order batsman. Duplessis? It's not Duplessis, unfortunately, no. Um, his high score is, was against Bangladesh at home, 199, and he's played 67 test matches for South Africa. Oh, this is bad. Is it Amla? It's not Hashim Amla, no, unfortunately. And then oh. finally, this player, 33-year-old, is a South African cricketer who plays tests and ODIs, is a former test captain. He's a left-handed opening batsman and a slow left-arm bowler. And I'll also tell you, he, he's come over to Surrey for a few years now and, and helped as well, occasionally batting a bit lower, though. Oh, this is so annoying. Oh. Uh, Graham Smith. It's not <laughs> Graham Smith. It's Dean Elgar, actually. Oh. That's, it's getting it's a bit tougher, I thought, this one, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's a lot tougher. <laughs> Okay, um, hopefully this one is a bit easier, this next one. Um, this current West Indian bowler has taken 133 wickets at 22.14 at Jason, home. Jason Holder? It's not Jason Holder, unfortunately, no. You now need to get this one and the next one to be level so you get this this one here second go and you need to get the next one first time which is going to be tricky I'll, I'll move on here okay so because the next question would have been to do with Zimbabwe which wouldn't have helped very much <laughs> um, so his the most matches he's played against another in another country is in England he's taken 27 wickets at 33.11 Current um, West Indian quick bowler. I can't think of anyone. Is it? Who was the bloke who did the salute? Is it Samuels? Was it Samuels? No, he's a spinner though, isn't he? Yeah. Oh. More of a batsman as well. Who run? Who run, mate? Sorry. He's he's also a batsman. Yeah. See, this is my thing. Is I'm rubbish with names, so mm. I get to know a player over a summer when England play them, and then they just fade into existence until That's I right. need to again. <laughs> he um we would have played him last time West, when the West Indies, West Indies came over here in the summer. It was him. He sort of leads the attack. He's a bit of a sort of Jimmy Anderson esque bowler, they say. Jermaine Blackwood? It's not Jermaine Blackwood. He's 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 another batsman unfortunately. Oh, why they've got so many batsmen <laughs> <laughs> Do you want his um his Wikipedia page? It may I'm not help. Yeah, why not? Why not? So this player is 32 year old quick bowler, Barbadian international cricketer who plays the West Indies. He played in the 2006 Under 19 Cricket World Cup in Sri Lanka, and has represented the West Indies in Tests and One Day International Cricket. Is it this? Is, this is a very off chance, but is it head of your and sport, James Aldred? Thanks for listening, James. Thanks for listening.
It is actually James yeah, Oldfield. He's got it. I think just for that out of the blue guess, we might have to yeah. give you um, give you a no ball think, on that one. We all think he's organising and editing, but no, he's actually playing for the West Indies. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, as Kimar Roach was the bowler. Of course, it was Kimar Roach. Oh, these are basic fundamentals. Oh, that's I blame it was a tough one, that. Okay, and then we'll go on to the final one. I think if you hit this one, this first one, for six, back over my head, I think no ball. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be no ball. It'll be free hit. You can no, do what you want. It's fine. It's fine. You, you've got to accept losses. You've got to accept losses. <laughs> As someone who okay. went to a, a school where I was the only player who played cricket, I, I know how to lose. And, yeah, I'm getting used to this feeling now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so player... Number five, this New Zealand international has taken 189 wickets at 26.89 at home. Trent Bolt? Oh, it's not Trent Bolt, unfortunately. It is opening bowler partner. Number two, um, Sri Lanka. He has his best average of 15.417, taking 19 wickets there. Lockie Ferguson? It's not Lockie Ferguson, unfortunately. Out of New Zealand as quick now. <laughs> um, number three, he's been played most tests away from home in Australia, taking 28 wickets at 40. Um, like I said, I'm running out. So who bowls with Trent Bolt? Oh. He's the only name coming to mind is now Colin de Grandholm, and I know it's not him. <laughs> um, he's, he's been around for a while. He's sort of Always reminds me a bit of Stuart Broad, the way he bowls. A um, bit of occasional in the white ball side, but but mainly test matches. I, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know any more New Zealanders. Is it Taika Waititi from the Thor films? Is it him? Because he's the only other New Zealander I can think of at the moment. I can I can allow you it because actually Korg, who he voices, <laughs> <laughs> who steams in and bowls rockets. Lovely bit of rock banter. Lovely bit. <laughs> Should I just tell you then, Dom, finish it off? Yeah, come on. It is Tim Salvi. Oh, the beautiful Tim Salvi. Oh, no. Of course it's Tim Salvi. I'd, yeah, I'd like to make a public apology to the listeners. Um, you deserve a higher standard of quizzing from me. Uh, as Toby goes 3-1 up in the series, it's fair to say I've let myself down. I've let URN down. I've let uh, Nottinghamshire down. And I'd just like to apologise. I'm, I'm very sorry. I think it's okay. I think people will, they might struggle to go over it at first, but I think the public will be strong behind you, Dom, don't worry. <laughs> and I guess that is the end of the podcast for this week. So thank you guys so much for listening. Dom, thank you for, for joining me again, as usual. Uh, I'd like to apologise once more to the listener. I'm very <laughs> sorry. And I'm sorry, James, Aldred, I've let you down as well. Uh, so I said I let April down on my other podcast you're in touchdown give it a listen um, but apart from that I've let everyone down but yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry again thanks for having me on um, I'm looking for your quick I'm looking for your forward to a text next week saying I've got a game but I need a name so <laughs> so I'm I feel looking- like you get bonus points but if you can come up with a name within five seconds like you did this week yeah I think if any listeners got a game and they'd like to send it in that we can both play We'd love that. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Actually, yeah, on, on that point, if any listeners are, if we do have any listeners, we, we might not. Um, if you do, yeah, want to get in touch, maybe you guys could sort of ask, you could create your own quiz 
and and come on the podcast and, and quiz the two of us a bit like Matching did at, at Tail Enders, we, and then we could both get our answers in. Yeah, and we've got a special diversity podcast coming up soon, um, which the, you, I think the whole viewer and sport are coming up with their own diff- ones for different sports, so look forward to ours. We will also be covering the rest of the India and England Test match. But as Toby was saying, it's time for us to leave. Thank you so much for listening and go well, Toby. Cheers, mate. This is URM. This is URN.